Hi, this is Evan, and you're listening to Damsels in Detroit on Podcast Detroit. Hey guys, this is episode six of Damsels in Detroit, and I'm so excited because I'm sitting here with my sister, Olivia, and I've missed you so, so, so much. Yeah, she's a Florida girl now. She doesn't have time for us. I will never be a Florida girl. Look at you, all tan and golden. (laughs) Living your life like it's golden. Living your life like it's... (laughs) But I told some of you all already, and if you know Olivia, then you know this, but Olivia is in school to be a midwife right now, and she's already a doula. Um, So as usual, I'm going to read a little bit about her just so we can, you know, hop into our questions. Ready? So Olivia Harper is a student midwife, birth doula, certified lactation counselor, and birth justice advocate. Born and raised in Detroit, Olivia graduated from Renaissance High School and obtained her bachelor's in women's studies and psychology from the University of Michigan. During undergrad, Olivia fostered the belief that using a community-based approach to doula care can transform communities and support birthing families. Olivia believes that having a baby is not only the birth of a child, but the birth of a person as well. And both of those journeys should be honored. To expand her learning and knowledge, Olivia is currently enrolled in the Florida School of Traditional Midwifery in Gainesville, Florida. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, our girl is a star. And girl, your skin so clear. Hair popping. Outfit cute. Y'all can't see her, but I can. The sun has truly been blessing me. You know, I will always be a Detroit girl. Okay, period. Yeah, no, I'm in Florida for now. You had to do what you had to do. <laughs> I did. We'll get into it. We'll I get did. into it. Um, my first question for you is what got you interested in birth work? Oh, my goodness. What got me interested in birth work? Well, there there was a lot of things that got me interested in birth work. Um, in particular, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. my mom um, had a really, really keen interest in um, her daughters and my family knowing about childbirth. She thought it was something that was really, really important for us to participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the birth of my little sister, who's now almost 18 years old. I oh my don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for her birth. My mom um, just told us that like, yeah, you know, I want my daughters to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I want them to think and see birth as something that's natural and everybody experiences it. Right. Not a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she, you know, allowed me to be a part of her birth experience. I was nine. When my sister was born, and I really, I think that that planted the seed. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it did because from that point on, um, after a few years, I just kind of ended up in birth spaces. I don't really know how. Like right. I would, my cousin would give birth, and I'd be in the room. My sister gave birth, wow. I was in the room, you know. And I was, you know, from like fifteen on, you know, doing that with no, no inkling that like this is what, what I would end doing? up being. I had no idea that I would be a midwife. Um, but then when I actually, when I got into undergrad and I started learning more, um, just about women's health and gender studies and reproduction and reproductive justice, um, I just, I, at that moment I was like, oh, this is what I want to be. Right. Um, cause I came into my undergraduate, you know, studies thinking that, oh, I'd probably be a gynecologist or, um, an obstetrician. But then when I learned what midwives did, I was like, I think this is definitely more connected to, mm-hmm. to, you know, how I feel and what I want. You weren't freaking out when little Sydney was born, like, at nine. I cannot imagine <laughs> today at 25. I Because you know how I am. I'm like, as soon as I hear somebody that even sounds like they're in pain, I'm like, I, I have to go. I cannot do this. Yes. 
<laughs> no, you know, I, I just I can still remember like I have this steel shot just in my brain of mm-hmm. like watching her come out, like oh watching God. her crowning. Right. Oh, and you I were like watching, watching, watching. watching. <laughs> uh, my grandmother was there with me and my sister Shanae. And she was like, I can remember her like having her hands on my shoulders mm-hmm. and like explaining to me what was happening. OK. And I remember my mom, you know, was obviously in very, very in transition. Yeah. Um, just about ready to push. Yeah. Um. And I just started to see she started going and, and getting deeper, deeper into the second stage. And she started pushing. And when she was crowning, I just remember being like, oh, my God, like, what is that black thing? But then it was Sydney's hair. Yeah. And, just, <laughs> <laughs> and then she just came out. And it was just it was just beautiful. It was all tears. It was all the things. Um, my mom did have a few complications. Yeah. Like Sydney had to get rushed away. Okay. Um, and at nine, I probably, I understood that there was something going on. Right. But I obviously didn't know exactly what was going mm-hmm. on. But it was a beautiful experience. <sighs> it was. Man, maybe one day <laughs> I'll just be like strong enough to actually, I can't even watch a video. I can't do it. It just makes me so nervous and just, because I'm like, I know that hurts. It is, I know it hurts. It, you know, for some people, for a lot of people, it does. Yeah. But, you know, it is the most normal thing. Yeah, we I know. We all had to go through it. I know. Yeah. It's just me. I'm a weirdo. It's a, you're not a weirdo. <laughs> you're not a weirdo at all. I mean, like, the way that, you know, society views birth is always, that's like an emergency. Mm-hmm. And you're close to death. You right. You know, when you're giving birth. So they make it, you know, this very, yeah. you know. Almost scary. like a traumatic type of thing. Absolutely. Like, all the TV shows that you see is mm-hmm. like trauma and and, yeah. and and you know and so for some people that is a legit experience yeah. that has happened but um you know depending on where you birth and how you birth and how you feel and mm-hmm. who's with you and and who's not with you or right. whatever you know can impact that experience okay so can you talk about the processes that you had to go through to become a doula and a certified lactation counselor? Oh, my goodness. The process. You know, I first learned about what a doula was because I was like, wow, what a weird name when I first like, I was like, <laughs> a what doula. is that? A doula. <laughs> a doula. You know, everybody's like, my doula, I've got it. And I'm like, yeah. please, like, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> <Oof>. um, <laughs> I was in a... Um, women's studies class mm-hmm. I was in a women's studies class and I think it was called childbirth and culture okay which is a really interesting class it was like a women's studies cross listed with like racist as anthropology mm-hmm. but I was <laughs> like oh I was like let me just see what this is about um and the professor that was there she started talking about traditional birth attendance okay um which that is when like the actual name like doula came up okay um Culturally speaking, like doula is a Greek word. It's a oh. literal Greek word that means like women servant, woman okay. servant. Um, and I guess whoever coined the term kind of looked at it as such. Like in childbirth, you know, it's a it's traditionally a person who's supporting another person okay. that's in labor. Um, and that process, I took a DONA training. DONA is like the international organization mm-hmm. of doulas. And I took that training. It was a very like short training very basic, very like rushed through. Um, and from that point, I was like, I'm not ready to do this at all. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel ready at all yet. But I kind of felt ready, you know. Um, and then I ended up being in a women's study, another like women's health class right after that. And my professor was a midwife. Mm-hmm. And I told her, you know, my interest in like birth and like, you know, like learning more about reproduction and reproductive rights. And she was like, oh, you know, well, I know that you're a doula. Like, um, why don't you just be on call, you know, for 
people that are delivering in the yeah. hospital who need additional social support. And I think I took my training like that April and that June. She was she called me one morning and was like, hey, do you think you could support this person at like <laughs> five o'clock? They're giving birth and they don't have any social support. Aww. And I was like, oh, God, I was like, I'm not prepared for this at all. Yeah. Like I didn't, you know, because traditionally like doulas, you know, you would meet prenatally. Right. And like, you know, establish that relationship and that conversation right. with the birthing person before they actually give birth. Um, but then in that moment, something was just like, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that way. Like you can absolutely just be on call and just mm-hmm. go because, you know, the person desired social support. So I was like, I'm going to just go. Like, you know, like yeah. that was my first birth. It was just so sporadic. It was like she called me that day. Five o'clock. She was like, come in, attend this birth. P.M. or like, A.M.? P.M. Okay. P.M. And I, she probably didn't even call me that morning. She probably called me like that late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like it was like very soon. And I was like, <laughs> oh. I was like, well, I better get wet, you know, ready and go. And it was a beautiful experience. Okay. Like I, I met, you know, the mom for mm-hmm. the first time and we clicked really well. Okay. And I saw kind of, you know, what was going on on the outskirts. I saw that maybe um, her husband didn't really necessarily feel like it was his place to be at the birth, like mm-hmm. physically in the birth. He was oh, like in okay. the hospital. Yeah, it was sometimes like um, with culturally specific yep. things. Like some people really still believe that men are not supposed to be a part of birth. I okay. don't know. And I think I feel like maybe that was her experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but we clicked really well. And this was, I believe, her second or third baby. Mm-hmm. Um but she just wanted additional social support. Yeah. They had eggs and, and I was there. And, you know, I it's crazy to think that her baby is like a good like two thousand fourteen they were born. Dang, you have been doing this for <laughs> some time. And then I feel like too, once you got certified, it was just every weekend it seemed like or every month. Yeah. You were like, I can't do this with y'all because um, I have a mom and yep. she's due and I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's it's, it, it's kind of like your life, you know, when you're going into birth work, even in the role of a doula or a midwife, you really start to like just appreciate that, yeah. you know, everything will come as it does mm-hmm. because babies come when they desire to and you just got to be ready for them. Right. You know? So I really, I really appreciated, you know, living my life in that way because I didn't feel like anything, you know, that that everything that happened needed to happen. Yeah. You know, so I, I really, I kind of, that's why I always say, like, birth work is really a calling. It is. Midwifery work is really a calling because it's kind of like all of those instances, they just kind of fell in line. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily trying to do any particular yeah. thing. I was just like, I'm I'm here and I'm available and, you know, I'm present. And that was it. So what mm-hmm. about the... um lactation counselor certification what did you have to do to get that yes so i um i was working for a nonprofit at the time where i was doing community based doula work and <laughs> um that nonprofit i they they were centered around breastfeeding um, and breastfeeding support mm-hmm. specifically ble- breastfeeding support for black birthing people um cuz what i consistently saw in the hospital is that we were not treated the same um, yeah a lot of nurses and Healthcare providers didn't necessarily think that black people wanted to breastfeed or chest feed. Okay. Um, so I was like, I think I should, you know, learn more. Like, I, I wasn't a peer. Like, I'm not someone who has breastfed before. Right. And I was like, I think, I, you know, I think it's important for me to learn this. And I think that as a doula, you know, we're there from pregnancy to labor and birth to a considerable amount postpartum. Right. Um, and during that time, people desire to breastfeed. So, you know, you want to have that support for them because the main reason why people 
stop nursing is because they don't have support. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got that training, I got it in like 2016. Um, and I just, I learned a lot. It all, the pieces just started coming together again. Like it was like, okay, doula, okay, you know, lactation support. It, it, it all like just weeded into like this perfectly sketched thing, you know. So you just mentioned something that I had written down actually before, um, but because you said you've never breastfed before and you don't have kids of your own. So do you find that when you're walking into these spaces or meeting a birthing person, do you find that it's kind of weird at first because you don't have a kid or you're not breastfeeding? Do you find like sometimes it's hard for them to relate or how do you kind of navigate that? You know, I think I think initially when I when I was just when I didn't know a whole bunch, I kind of allowed that to make me feel some type of way. But right. then I realized that, you know, like so much of what doula work is, it's just literally sitting and being present with somebody. And you can do that as a person who has never birthed before. Okay. Um and that's not a requirement of becoming, you know, a midwife or a doula. Mm-hmm. And I oftentimes even feel like, and I've heard other midwives say this to me, which made me feel really good, um, <clears throat> that, you know, my my entire going into it and my feeling going into it wasn't like, oh, you know, this is an experience that I had and I want to support people that have had this, ex- you know, want to have this particular experience. It's more of like, I'm actually just being present with whatever happens, mm-hmm. you know, Um and not knocking anybody that does, but you know, it's, it's, it's truly, truly is a calling where you just have to be present with someone and you have to be coming from a space of love and understanding and, you know, stillness, you know, to where you can sit with somebody at the most vulnerable point of their lives. And I've known, and we know many people who are not mothers who yeah. have done all the mothering. Right. You know, so. That at first, I think first, like as a baby doula, like when I started <laughs> off as like in college, I was like, mm, you know, like people, people often ask, like, why, why did you decide to do this if you haven't had this experience? And I was just like, I don't really need to. Like, I, I've sat with people at many transitions, in right? Life, you know, at birth, at you know, death, at at all of these spaces, yeah, and and. They, you know, once you get to know a person and you know their intent and you know, you know their heart, like I don't. I didn't, it never has mattered. And you got heart. You got a lot of heart. All the time. (laughs) But what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Or is there a difference? There is a huge difference between a doula and a midwife. So a doula is essentially like a birth companion or assistant of sorts. So they are there specifically for, um, Helping the birthing person through pregnancy, Mm -hmm. labor, and birth. Like a lot of physical support. So it's a very hands-on profession Mm -hmm. or experience. And which means, you know, it can be from like, you know, preparing the birthing person for labor and birth through like childbirth education and prenatal education. Um, also, you know, the role I got to put it out there. My community based doulas are my love because they are about it beyond just birth. Like a lot of people get into birth work because they, oh, we, I love birth and love babies. Right. But, you know, as a community based doula, <laughs> they're very much so um, and full spectrum doulas are very much about, you know, Breaking down any barriers that that person may have to whatever they may need, whether it's physical, emotional support, whatever it is, you know, because I think for me as a community based doula, I did a lot more work, you know, trying to eliminate barriers, trying to make sure that a mom has 
you know, a car seat and having all of the things that are necessary things for life. But when you're, you know, delivering in a country like America that doesn't really value a lot of people um, and a lot of experiences, people end up in these very difficult situations where they're having a baby, but they're also having all of these other barriers that Mm -hmm. they have to get through um, all the way up until they give birth and beyond that. So community-based doulas specifically, um, are working more intensely to make sure that there's a continuity of care around the birthing person Mm -hmm. always, you know, beyond just childbirth, you know, going into, you know, what are your needs beyond just, you know, this experience of of becoming a parent. Okay. Um, So a doula, again, is like a a hands-on labor support. There's someone that is there for you prenatally during labor and birth. They're there massaging you, you know, getting you into different positions, supporting you, even in the capacity of like, even if you're not necessarily, um, you know, birthing in a, in a, in a way where like sometimes like doulas, I've sat in C-sections with moms before. Okay. You know, if they didn't have another support person to be with them, I was there right there by their side, you know, supporting them in any capacity that I needed to mm-hmm. because I allowed whatever way I needed to show up. I think doulas kind of like are like the energy keepers of the room. Okay. If they see something that's kind of off or, you know, they need um, the the birthing parent or a family member is feeling like really uneasy, say it's something that's coming up because trauma can come up in birth too. Like a lot of people don't realize that, but that's a very real thing yeah. that happens. Um, they're the ones to, you know, bring it all back. And a midwife <laughs> is, there's a couple of different types of midwives too, okay. but they are care providers. You want to know all of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are care providers. They are actually giving your medical support, your medical, your psychosocial and your educational support. Um, you have certified nurse midwives who are like RNs, which is a, regist- a registered nurse who then goes on to become a master's, um, a certified nurse midwife, which is like a master's program. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, certified professional midwives whom are midwives who are direct entry midwives who um, usually deliver an out-of-hospital setting. So those are your midwives that are oftentimes seen in like home births okay. and also um, birth center births, even though CNMs can interchangeably work depending on what state they're in. Um, certified nurse midwives can also deliver at home and in birth centers too. <clears throat> but they're um, giving the medical Support. So, you know, they're the person that you see, you know, depending on when you're, um, when you're in your pregnancy, depending on what week you're in. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, talking to you about education. They're doing different like lab work, um, doing your blood tests, making sure that you're healthy, making sure that if there's anything that comes up to where, um, you may be at a higher risk or there's something that could make your pregnancy be at a higher risk in any way, shape or form. They're talking to you about that. Okay. Um, and then you also have obstetricians, which are <clears throat> doctors who specialize in care for people um, with birthing support. So the different professions are essentially those three. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then which one are you working towards in school? I am working towards becoming a certified professional midwife. Okay. So, a professional. A professional. <laughs> yes. So delivering in out of hospital settings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been in many births, um, from home births to hospital births to all natural births to, yeah. you know, C-sections to, you know, like whatever capacity someone needed me in, you know, I was there to see it. Okay. Yeah. 
So proud of you. Um, how many births have you assisted with so far? Oh my god! I have if you had to say, so one hundred thousand. Not one hundred thousand <laughs> so far, but in the capacity of like a doula, I probably attended like thirty-five to forty births. Mm-hmm. I've, I've honestly lost count yeah. at this point because it's I just too like, have lost count. <laughs> it's like so many, but you know, even then, I'm still I'm still a baby midwife. I'm still a baby, mm-hmm. you know, midwife and doula in many ways. Um, and in this work, you're you're a continual learner. Like yeah. there's no. I mean, like, obviously, there's people that have been practicing for 20, 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to get to that point. But, you know, you're 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 a forever learner. Yeah. You know, in birth, because every single birth is different. And then you still have relationships with all of those. Well, I won't say all, but I know mm-hmm. some. Most of them. Yeah. Most of them. Um, depending on like where, where they're at and yeah. what they're doing. Sometimes people just need you in that capacity and not and that's anything it. more. And right. I, I respect that and I love that. And then I have some moms whom I still talk to mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And who I just adore, <clears throat> you know. So, you know, it's just whatever capacity they need me in, I'm, I'm there for it. I stand. (laughs) Um, But you kind of mentioned about trauma a little bit earlier, too. So I was reading, you know, I was doing my research, Um, but I was reading this article. It's called um, it's from ProPublica and it's called Nothing Protects Black Women from Dying in Pregnancy and Childbirth. Mm -hmm. And high rates of maternal mortality have been an issue um, within the nation, particularly and I won't say that it's a new thing, but I think yeah. we're hearing a, about it a lot more now, um, especially I feel like because some celebrities have gone through some things like Serena Williams or if you watch Homecoming, like Beyonce talked about things that she experienced when she had her twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the article, they mentioned that black mothers in the U.S. die at three to four more times the rate of white mothers. So I know a little bit of why, obviously, like we talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. racism um, socioeconomic status, I feel like. But what are some other things that you feel like, or you can expound on those two things as well, but Absolutely. why do you think that this is an issue for black women? Well, I think, um, oh, that's that, that there are so many answers to that question because the racism and implicit and explicit bias and, um, obstetric violence that actually mm-hmm. happens to black women in, a variety of settings is something that has been happening for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's just coming to light. Um, like a lot of people are sharing about it now. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, and it is, it's, it's extremely, extremely disheartening. And I've seen it, you know, in practice and in work. Cause as my work as a doula, you know, um, I had obstetricians who, you know, were very upset with me okay. because as another another thing that a doula does is to usually educate, you know, the birthing person about interventions mm-hmm. and about interventions so that that way they understand it. Right. Because a lot of times going into the hospital space and that's just in, in any, you know, um health space, whether you're going in for a surgery or whatever you're going Mm -hmm. into the hospital for, you know, you want to be, you know, informed about what's happening and what's, um, what's a possibility of happening. Right. You know, because oftentimes over intervening, um, in birth, particularly for black women does lead to more risky, um, outcomes. And what I mean by that is just that, um, they, um, I'm blanking on my words right now, but essentially 
obstetric violence is killing us mm-hmm. and it has been killing us for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something that is a new, new thing. This is something that has been happening since the um, medicalization of birth. Okay. Um, which a little history lesson, <laughs> lesson, um, traditionally prior to the fifties, black people actually weren't often allowed in hospitals yeah. because of se- segregation. So the primary care provider who was caring for um, black people and black families were traditional midwives. Okay. Whom um, usually black Southern midwives that we call grand midwives. They used to be called granny midwives. But we, okay. now we use the word grand because granny was used as kind of like a, like a lessening okay. from the medical community to okay. say that they weren't educated, which we know is absolutely not true. Right. It's completely false. Um, because when, you know, birthing people and black birthing people were in the care in the hands of traditional black midwives mm-hmm. in the South, you know, they, we did not see what, what we're seeing right, right. now. And, you know, a lot of people fought me for that because they're like, oh, it was back in the day. But, you know, um, traditional based midwifery support. Um, has long supported families and black families mm-hmm. to be healthy and the direct medicalization of childbirth um, and the experimentation yeah. on black people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yes. and throughout this entire, you know, our existence of being in the Americas um, has also impacted, you know, what we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing is that black women and black birthing people are not listened to. Yeah. In the same way. Our pain is not, you know, taken into account, into consideration in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see that some, I've seen it, I've seen it happen before many, many times at, you know, hospitals in Detroit where, you know, doctors have told, you know, black birthing people that, you know, well, you can't be feeling that. Oh, that, that, that pain that you're feeling is normal. Oh, you know, you know, you're bleeding. Oh, it's a, you know, it's okay. It's normal. Right. It's supposed to happen and not really giving, you know, quality, quality care, um, which is a difference and nobody wants to blame it, you know, right. on race, but it, but racism it's, is real. I think that is know? very clear <laughs> that it is absolutely clear yeah. in every single way and even as a student midwife I still see it and mm-hmm. I see it happening from white midwives yeah <laughs> that's the thing and I'm like even even in midwifery as a profession whom we're supposed to be with women and with birthing people no matter what right you know in every single way possible and giving quality care I have seen it you know I'm not saying that every single person but I yeah. definitely have seen where our needs were not met, you know, met and they weren't actually listening mm-hmm. to black women and like their, their, you know, their, their cries for pain, you know, it's, it's so deep. It's so deep. Do you feel like, how do I want to word this? So say if I'm pregnant, knock on wood, not ready yet. <laughs> um, and I go to a doctor. And I'm like gonna have a hospital birth or whatever. Do you feel that it's better to maybe have a doctor that kind of looks like you? Do you feel like that kind of changes things? Like, what is it? What is that like? Well, I definitely, I feel, I'm not saying that all obstetricians are bad or anything, because I definitely have seen some really great obstetricians who were amazing and who, you know, really cared for this work beyond Mm -hmm. just you know, the science, right? Because mm-hmm. that's often the thing that we talk about. Um, evidence-based medicine, evidence-based care, which which exists and which is important. Um, but so often I feel like, you know, they're, they're, the, the nuances are not talked about. Um, 
I definitely feel like the care provider that you choose, um, you have to be very, very adamant about asking them and feeling comfortable enough to ask them about, you know, what are your outcomes look like? You know, what do you think about people who want to deliver in this way? Mm -hmm. You know, um, because the point of all of this, I believe, is, you know, to make sure that birthing people have choices. Right. You should be able to have a choice with who you know, what provider you are seeing, whether that's a midwife, a nurse midwife, a certified professional midwife, an obstetrician, you know, there's really, really quality care providers across that spectrum. Um, It's just about having a conversation where you're comfortable and where you can talk to them and where you can ask them legitimate questions like, hey, what is your C-section rate? (laughs) What is your rate of, you know, episiotomies like for a person that, you know, is low risk and healthy, you know, um, those are questions that you questions that you have the right to ask them. Okay. You know, you can ask a midwife, what's your transfer rate? What happens when this happens? And you know, some obviously that's not language that everyone has right. at that moment, but it, it does. It takes a little bit of research to know, you know, what provider you want and okay. what person clicks the most with you. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So what is your curriculum like at school? I know every time I tell people that, I'm like, my best friend is in school to become a midwife, you know, like so cash. But like, I feel like people always have questions about how your curriculum is. So what is it like? Oh, my God. My curriculum. Um, like And like, it, I am a, becoming a certified professional midwife, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than certified nurse midwifery. Um, but it's a combination of your sciences, like tons and tons and tons of. Um, I don't know what I just did. I hope they didn't hear that sound. Did you hear that? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, continue. It's it's okay. Um, so my curriculum, it looks a lot like, um, a lot of sciences, uh, a lot of my deep AMPs, my microbiologies, pharmacology, um, and then getting deeper into my curriculum. Um, going into like labs and diagnostics, antepartum, intrapartum, postpartum, um, obstetrical complications. Um, we have a really like a year long, you know, class about obstetrical complications and what to do, you know, when, um, things come up, when complications come up, cause that is a very real reality. Um, a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, like midwifery work and doula is all natural, you know, and, um, that's such a that's such a relative term that is dependent on so many different things, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, sometimes in birth things do happen, but it's just about having that care provider who is informed and who knows, um, and who knows, you know, when it's time to to intervene and when it's time to, to not. To lay back. Yeah. So I my <coughs> curriculum essentially you have your um your core classes, which are teaching you everything. Like I have to know, obviously, the human body inside and out, upside down, every single way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then you have the more clinical portion of the program, which is where I'm actually attending births, either in a home birth setting or a birth center setting. And I also I also do rotations at the hospital as well. Because um, <coughs> the goal of the program that I'm in is to make us very, you know, well well informed, okay, you know, midwives about everything, know every single thing up, down, <laughs> around, you know, about reproduction and conception and postpartum and all of the things, well, baby care, well, mama care. You know, we have a lot of classes, obviously, centered around um, the newborn, um, a lot of reproduction classes. It's 
it's a pretty it's a it's a beautiful curriculum because I, I love it because now I'm like fusing everything together you know that I that I wanted to know before mm-hmm. so like, the wheels are churning and everything is making sense now yeah. <sighs> anyway <laughs> no but that's just really awesome I'm just like I'm saying anyway because I'm like don't get emotional because I'm just Aww. super proud of you that's all just like you're really doing it and I feel like because I remember in high school you would always be like I think I want to be a doctor. I'm like, okay. And then I feel like over the years, it just really, you know, you were able to cultivate kind of like what that means or what that looks like. So anyway, so proud. Um, So now we're going to get into our listener questions. So first one comes from, well, she has two, Um, comes from Taylor Harrell from Instagram. Her first question is, is there a perfect age to conceive? And then the second question is, does skin to skin with parent and baby decrease or increase the likelihood of separation anxiety? Yes. So um, is there a perfect age for conceiving? I personally, as, as, and, and I'm still, this is something that I don't necessarily have the answer to right at this moment in my education. Um, but I actually don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's a lot of information around like, oh, if it's too late, you know, when is it too late? Um, and there's a lot of fear based strategies that's behind like, you know, people that wait to have children. But I've also supported and been with people who have had their first baby at 42. Yeah. You know, and have had completely healthy outcomes for the birthing person and the baby. So. Do I think it's a perfect age? I, I wouldn't say so. I, I think that now if you do, you will see some research that'll talk about, oh, you know, over 35 is advanced maternal age. And they call that that that's a particular, you know, diagnosis mm-hmm. that they um, say is a risk that's associated with birth. But I think that, again, like having a care provider, you know, who is well informed and who understands and whom, um, you know, won't necessarily use a scare tactic like that. I think it's a scare tactic mm-hmm. is basically what I'm saying. Okay. But, um, yeah. I think I think that it's perfectly fine to, to have, have a baby when you're older. When you're older. Absolutely. I know Shannon that that's Jackson a huge, did it. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that that's a huge that's a huge fear, you know, for a lot of people our age now. Mm-hmm. I, I think about it, you know, a lot of people think yeah. about it. Um, but you know, it's very it's very much so dependent on health. Right. Because I just think of how I feel like maybe even, I, I won't say 10 years ago, but even in college, I thought, oh, 25, I'm going to be married, have kids, blah, blah. And then I got here and I'm like, hold on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of just getting started or just kind of finding your way, learning a lot about yourself. So I can't really picture myself having a little person with me mm-hmm. right now. Like I would like to wait, but like you said, I think you get so scared cause you hear 35 and you're just like, Oh my God. Like Something you just wrong. feel like everything is going to stop working mm-hmm. <laughs> at 35. And that's not you do. true. You do. So. And it's not true. It's so it's dependent upon so many individual things as well. Like mm-hmm. preconception health does mean something, you know, like if you can prepare your body for, you know, being pregnant, that's great. You know, sometimes you can't and it's okay right. too. Uh, you know, so, you know, have have somebody that meets you wherever you at. Mm-hmm. But just know that it's okay. Okay. It's okay. And then she wanted to know about the skin to skin with parent and baby. Um, does it decrease or increase the likelihood of separation anxiety? 
Separation anxiety. I would say that skin to skin um, and just maternal bonding that exists, you know, when baby first comes out mm-hmm. actually helps with attachment. Okay. Um, they've There's some studies that have shown that like um, babies who went immediately skin to skin um, immediately following birth um, had like better breastfeeding outcomes okay. and things like that. Um, so all of that to say that skin to skin is absolutely important. Um, babies spend, you know, a good... 41, 42 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, 38 to 42 weeks yeah. inside of, you know, that birthing person. And that's the most close contact that they have with them. So when you come out and, you know, and you're, you know, the experience of like a newborn when they come out, it's like, okay, it's cold. You know, it was mm-hmm. previously warm. It was dark. And now it's cold. And right. all of these textures that are on me. Yeah. People are touching me. People might be poking me. You know, there's all of these things mm-hmm. that are happening in the most familiar place. I heard... Um, this, um, actually this obstetrician say this at this conference, which I thought was really beautiful, um, where they were just like the, the, um, the environment is the birthing person's body for a baby mm-hmm. and the niche is like the breast or the chest okay. for the baby. So, um, that skin to skin contact is really, really important. And like, the baby is being, you know, colonized by all of the good bacteria that's okay. on the birthing person. Um, cause it is important that babies have, you know, good bacteria. On right. Them. Um, all bacteria isn't bad. <laughs> and, you know, when, um, they come out, you know, the birthing person smells like them. So right. Like the, the usually this is getting really deep into breastfeeding, but, um, the colostrum, the first milk that comes out of the breast mm-hmm. um, after birth, smells a lot like amniotic fluid. Okay. So it helps the baby actually navigate and get to the breast. Wow. You know, to start nursing. So it's very like this human design yeah. that we have going on is like real particular. <clears throat> it's real. It's really, you know. That you is know, so interesting. It is like fine tuned to the point where, you know. Everything is happening for a reason. When baby comes out and they immediately go to chest, we put them skin to skin. Right. If we can, you know, sometimes there are interventions that happen where babies can't necessarily go skin to skin because okay. if just something happened and we need to resuscitate baby or if there's, you know, uh, we're getting really deep into like obstetrics now, but um, meconium, which is baby's first poop. Some, sometimes mm-hmm. babies poop in the womb. Yeah. Um, and it happens. Um, and sometimes, you know, we have to get to them really quickly, mm-hmm. but um, more often than not, you know, they can actually go skin to skin yeah. and they can hear, you know, they know the person's heartbeat, they know their voice, they know their smell. Um, but if for any reason that we can't get um, the baby to the parent's breast for any reason, um, we can give the baby to maybe the partner or whoever the support person is mm-hmm. and have them go skin to skin. Okay. That is how important skin to skin is. Okay. Um and not so much, I wouldn't say separation anxiety, because I think that inherently babies are supposed to be with their parents. Right. Like babies are not really supposed to be separated at that age. It is imperative that babies feel touched mm-hmm. and that, you know, they're nursing back to back and on demand. Um, and it actually fosters better attachment. Okay. Then, you know, you know, there's no such thing as spoiling a baby, like. Babies are supposed to be with their parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're supposed to be with them. Right. Um, or whomever their care provider is. Too. They literally cannot do anything without you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Sierra Dominique from Instagram wants to know, what is the best practical advice for maintaining a good milk supply while working full time? Oh, the best practical advice is definitely um, stimulation. Stimulation either by baby nursing, because mm-hmm. um, usually when you go back to work, um, a lot of people, you know, definitely get nervous about their milk supply, you know, possibly decreasing because essentially what helps you make milk is to nurse the baby. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, teas and, you know, like <laughs> this particular thing. Uh, no tea is going to work better than a baby being on the breast. Okay. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the like, tea. That's the tea. Baby <laughs> needs to be nursing, you know. <laughs> Uh, eight to 12 times in a 24 hour period. And what Jesus. that means is that, you know, newborn, essentially like what I would do as a doula and even as a student midwife is to teach parents about normal newborn expectations, mm-hmm. which basically means we're kind of debunking the myth that like, oh, baby has to eat every two hours. No, baby has to eat on demand. So okay. what that means is like when babies, you know, when they cue to feed, which is like they might turn their head towards whatever chest you know, they're at, you know, looking at you in your eye, yeah, like, you know, like, what's up? Get ready. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know smacking their, you know, lips mm-hmm. and, you know, um, moving. And, and they, they have these cycles of like sleep and wake and feed cycles that okay. are very particular. Um, and it's, it, and it's changes for each baby, you know, depending on, you know, what they need. Um, but you want to immediately put them to, the breast or the chest at that point, okay. you know, to get them nursing and nursing on demand. Now, when you do go back to work, it's important that you continue to stimulate the breast mm-hmm. um, as if at how the baby would feed. So something that I would always say mom, to, you know, parents is that, you know, if you're working for an eight hour period, we know within that eight hour period, baby's probably going to eat, you know, at least three to four times. Okay. So you need to pump. Um consistently within that time frame mm-hmm. and then kind of making a schedule for yourself. Like if you know that you nurse baby right before you go to work, um, right before the morning and then you go to work, you need, you can't go more than like three to four hours without stimulating the breast, either with a pump or by hand expressing. Cause hand expressing is another way that you can express milk, mm-hmm. um, with your hand. And, and it's been shown to, you know, Actually, sometimes for some people, get out more milk, you know, than a pump can. Um, so the baby is never going to go more than three to four hours without feeding. Okay. Which means that you can't really go more to three, more than three to four hours without simulating the breast mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form, which is either through the pump, by pumping, or by hand expressing. Okay. Um, so to keep your milk supply up and to keep it, you know, where it is, you want to obviously continue to nurse the baby um, and pump and hand express or stimulate the breast in some way, you know, while you're away from the baby. Mom should just get a year off. I hate that. Like you only get a couple months and then it's like, all right. It is absolutely <laughs> a disservice. America yeah. is trash. Um, oh my goodness. We are absolute trash in the way that we treat parents and mm-hmm. birthing people. Um, we do not have any maternal leave. Um, like b- just barely. Like yeah. some people can get a max at like six weeks. Some people can get twelve weeks. But you know, I've also supported people who work at Wendy's. Yeah, and they might not get any weeks. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, you gotta. Um, it's a lot of sacrifices that that parents and families actually have to make. You know, when they're birthing a child in the United States, on top of all of the other statistics that exist. Yeah. You know, for Black birthing people, and it's it's absolutely a disservice, and it it disheartens me every time because I'm like, you should be able to be with your baby. You mm-hmm. should be able to, you know, um, 
to be with them for as long as they need to. I mean, for I've like shit, you should get it at least a year. Okay, like, like, <laughs> I come back when they turn five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Uh, what's like, been happening without me? <laughs> um, Jayla says from Instagram wants to know one: What is the best birthing experience you've had in your career? And two: Do you support at-home water births for the first for first-time pregnancies? What is the best one? I don't think I can choose a best one mm-hmm. because they were all so great in whatever way. You know, like I, I, as long as the person who was birthing felt empowered and happy and well after a birth, like that is what means the most to me. You know, um, I have seen birth in different settings. I will say at the home birth that I went to, that was a pretty powerful experience, mm-hmm. not only for the midwives and the mid- midwives. Uh, midwife assistants that were there, but um, the parent as well. Like she really pushed past every single fear that she had ever had. Okay. Um, I think some of the most beautiful experiences that I've had in, you know, birthing, it makes me want to cry right now. It's just supporting black families and seeing like what happens like immediately, like right before baby comes out mm-hmm. um, and seeing people, you know, pray and anoint their bellies with oil and, you know, see people cry and see, you know, grandmothers become grandmothers and yeah. moms become mothers. Like, it's really, it is such a sacred experience. Um, and seeing partners become, you know, parents of, you know, for the first time or for, you know, the fourth, maybe yeah. the ninth time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's all, it, um, it's so gushy when I talk about it, but it's just so, like, I cry, I tell people I cry at every single birth. Well, cause really that's, do. you're passionate about it. Like, and that's totally fine. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a, it's an essence that I mm-hmm. can't, it's sometimes like I can't even, I can't even put words to it mm-hmm. because it's, it's so, so beautiful. Like I can't, I can't choose this one because so many of them have been like just, <laughs> just yeah. 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 And then she also had the question of the, do you support at home water births for first time pregnancies? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I support, you know, at home births, obviously, because I am a certified professional midwife, which means that I'll be, Hmm. period, which (laughs) means that I'll be supporting people in out of hospital settings. I have seen first time moms out of the hospital give birth (laughs) at home Mm -hmm. and in the water. So, um, for, a low-risk, healthy person, that's usually an option, and that's something that the midwife will talk to you about um, when you're desiring a home birth. Um, they're actually going to go through an entire like risk um, factor sheet to make sure that you are a candidate for home birth, Okay, um, just meaning that, you know, um, low-risk just means that there's not any particular things that would put you at a higher risk of, you know, problems developing in the home. So like if people have bleeding disorders or heart you know, okay. disorders or um, hyper, chronic hypertension or diabetes, you know, um, these are all things that could potentially be extremely, extremely dangerous um, during pregnancy and during birth. And for some people, it is safer to deliver at the hospital. Um, where there are closer interventions that are available. But for the low risk and healthy person who, you know, birth is not in every case an emergency. Mm-hmm. It can be an emergency. It can turn into an emergency. Um, but for a person where there's not really any issues or any, um, 
anything that may put them at a higher risk can absolutely be safe because we as midwives and doulas um, view birth um, specifically as midwives as a normal event. You know, it's completely normal. What happens to your body is normal, even though obviously it's some of the, um, for some people, some of the most difficult and worst pain of their lives. But um, we talk about that. We talk about that well before you have the baby. Like, mm-hmm. what, what are what are we thinking about pain management? What are we thinking? Um, you know, if you want pain management, what are, what's going to be a, a key word that you say, you know, to let us know, okay, you know, she really wants pain management. Mm-hmm. We might have to transfer for any reason. Okay. Um, but what we're essentially doing, we're supporting you where you're at and with what you desire. So I absolutely think it's fine. Raquel Ladon, who is actually expecting... So cute. I, I don't know when. Maybe next month, I Yay. think she said. Um, but she wants to know what are some of the best pain management methods for a natural birth? Pain management methods for the natural birth. Absolutely. There are many. So definitely water. Um, a lot of people use water therapy during birth, whether that's um, running a hot shower like on your lower back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what I would do is take, um, you know, those big exercise balls. Yeah. And just like at the hospital, actually sit it in the shower, mm-hmm. sit the ball in the shower, have the, the mom or the birthing person actually sit on the ball um, backwards um, and have the shower head, you know, just run the water on their lower okay. backs. Because usually like in labor and birth, you know, when the contractions start to get more intense, you will need some type of pain management. Right. And as you get deeper and deeper and deeper into active labor and then into transition, you know, the pain will be so much that nothing is going to take the pain away. Yeah. (laughs) Unless, you know, you were to get a particular intervention. But for natural birth, definitely water, definitely massage. I think one of the best pain management techniques is a doula. (laughs) And I say that (laughs) because they are there 100 all day, every day, you know, to to massage you if you need it. Some people don't like massage during labor and birth. Yeah. It's totally fine. Um, definitely um, having, getting your mind, you know, like during pregnancy, you know, going through any fear or pain that you may be experiencing, mm-hmm. right? And also coming from a, a really gentle place, a really, really gentle place. Because the worst thing that, you know, one can do is to feel shame about how their birth ended up. And okay. a lot of people end up giving birth and feeling really ashamed um, because it didn't go exactly the way yeah. that they planned it to. So definitely um, writing and talking about it with people like doulas, with people who understand, you know, normal birth, which right. is normal birth. Um, also, some pain management techniques that I've seen in late pregnancy, not necessarily during labor, but to like help jumpstart pregnancy, things like acupuncture, chiropractic care, Actually getting a prenatal massage like before you go into labor okay. can be really, really, you know, because you want the body to be nice and like relaxed, relaxed as it can be, you know, um, and a lot of things can help with that. And also like it, it labor will really, you know, truly push you past your limit. Like mm-hmm. it'll be like you, there's a certain point, all doulas know this, all midwives and birth professionals know it's a point where, you know, they might be like, hell no, like I can, <laughs> I can no more, you know. And you just have to, you know, you have to kind of train your mind to thinking about labor in a different way. I've had um, people that instead of using the word contraction, because contraction, you know, it sounds really scary yeah. and like hard, know, hard and like, 
painful um, to say like a wave, you know, like I'm riding the contraction wave. Okay. You know, I'm riding the wave. Let me get past this wave and then I'll talk to you, you know. (laughs) Riding the wave. Riding the wave. You know, so really, really, really thinking about it and training your mind and really, you know, knowing that like, yes, pain is there but we need the pain to get the baby out right too. you know like the crack contractions have to happen mm-hmm. waves have to happen yeah for us to you know get the baby here out of there um, and it's normal and that's something i have to you know all the time that as a doula you know we have plenty of like affirmations just sitting in our back pockets like oh you know each you know each wave is getting you closer to seeing the baby's face Mm -hmm. and sometimes it will feel like forever i've had people that are in labor for you know a couple of hours but i've also had people that have been in labor for a couple of days um but that is that that's a normal that's normal yeah you know for um a first time parent um, and it's just important to have that support and be around people who understand, mm-hmm. you know, being around people who are not going to call you every five minutes and be like, did you have a baby? Right. And, you know, <laughs> let me, like, let me see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and completely ignore all the, uh, the other things. Yeah. Um, definitely. Water, massage. So, Aidan from Instagram uh, wants to know, what is the most challenging thing about your profession? <laughs> Oh my, can I just choose one? Um, <laughs> you got a list. Oh my goodness, I got a list. Um, I, well, one thing, um, we have a lot of different ways to become midwives in the United States. Um, and different from other countries, there might be one particular type of midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a black woman who's going into a field <laughs> where there is less than 2%, of black women are midwives. Crazy. Less than 2% in the whole country. And we have the worst outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely challenging because you're not only having to deal with um, a very sexist <laughs> and racist um, medical community, you know, as a history. I'm also dealing with it, you know, from my fellow student midwives. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel it's already a lot of people feel like midwifery is taboo anyways. Like right. The idea of delivering outside of a hospital is like witchcraft like, no, that's <laughs> and wizardry. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and like, even though that's that's something that's technically new. Like mm-hmm. we haven't a lot of people, you know, delivering in a hospital is a newer thing that's happened in like the last 50 years. Yeah. Um, 50, 60. And. You know, it is some it is some backlash. You know, they're like, oh, are midwives, you know, actually, you know, skilled? Are they this? And like, it's just very disheartening sometimes because it's like, no, we're extremely skilled, like extremely skilled. Um, and, you know, just to have it to have it questioned in that way is really difficult. Um, and especially to be a black midwife, you know, having to see up close and personal you know, the experiences that our clients have had to go through. Um, sometimes even ourselves. I'm not a person who's had a baby before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know plenty of midwives yeah. who experience um, that very thing themselves. And it's 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 hard. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, it, it is hard. It's hard being, you know, in a sea of people that don't look like you. Um, trying to figure out like, oh, maternal mortality, like, let's figure it out when you have been sitting with this and you have been knowing this and you know people who have been personally affected by this, you know, you're not only doing that work, you know, that personal, you know, work, you're also 
you know, having to sit in a classroom full of people who, you know, don't look like you. And they say, yeah. they might say that they care, but it's like, you know, where are you really? <laughs> okay. When are we going to get past? Yeah. Know, so, so now what? Mm-hmm. It's always my question. Okay. So now that you know this. Right. And we're very clear about this. Mm-hmm. What are the next steps? Right. You know, yeah. So definitely, definitely that. Well, thanks, guys, for sending in those listener questions. I had more, but just for the sake of time, I can't ask them all. But we're going to get her social at the end so you guys can just DM and ask. Yes, um, what is the what's something that you want new and expecting um, birthing people? I won't say mothers mm-hmm. <laughs> to know about maternal health. What like if I you had like one nugget, one nugget, you know, know your know your options. Know your options, research your options, you know, know people, know good providers, you know, talk to people about their experiences, ask uncomfortable questions, Mm -hmm. because that's a thing. You know, a lot of people don't want to ask uncomfortable questions, but, you know, it's necessary. So definitely know your options and know your doulas, (laughs) know your midwives Mm -hmm. Um, and know yourself, too, you know, and know like what it is that you need. You know, in the deepest, deepest way for your experience and the experience that you want. And also, do not shame yourself in any way, shape, or form. There's already enough mm-hmm. <laughs> against birthing people in general. Um, so, not shaming oneself, you know, with what happens or anything. I think that's good advice. Well, what does it mean for you to be a damsel from Detroit? Ooh. <laughs> for me, for me to be a damsel. For you, girl. Girl, for me. I mean, <laughs> I am definitely a damsel from Detroit. Okay. okay? Um, nobody does it like Detroit. Okay. You know, I'm living out of state right now. I'm yeah. getting my midwifery degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will truly say there's nowhere on earth like Detroit. <laughs> there's <laughs> truly. no better place than Detroit. Um, and it just means, you know, it means that we understand struggle, we understand strife, we understand love and forgiveness and just in the in, in the deepest way possible. Like it just it just means that I'm I'm about it. Okay. Like, about that action. About it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play. <laughs> Where can people connect with you on social if they have questions about you know, somebody actually asked me if you were looking for a mentee. I was like, I don't know if she is because she's not here. But I was like, I'll still ask. I'm so. always down for the virtual meetups or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever capacity that anyone needs me. Because birth work, it's important that we stay together. It's yeah. important that you have a support system. Um, so y'all can always, mm-hmm. always reach out to me. I um. Instagram is live, love, live, live. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, I'll spell it for you. <laughs> yes, please spell it for me. And, um, also email is oh, one yes. of the best ways to. Okay. Um, I will say I'm, I be deep in my midwifery study sometimes. I, I go on a hiatus mm-hmm. about a couple weeks during finals. But yeah. I come back. But you come back. Okay. And I come back strong. All right. I, I can I'm attest to it. <laughs> well, spell your Instagram name for people that want to follow you. It is L-I-V, L-O-V-E, L-I-V, L-I-V. No <laughs> live, love, live, live. <laughs> and then do you want to give your email out or do you just want to start with Instagram and if people need? 
to contact you via email. I can start with Instagram and then that would I'll, be just, better. I'll put a link in my bio okay. for it too. I have not done that. I need to update everything because like yeah. my relationship with social media is hilarious. Well, you've been busy, <laughs> you know, delivering children. Yes. So we understand. But I just want to thank you so much. I'm so happy you were able to come. And I know it was like super impromptu. She was like, I'm going to be home. I'm like, you trying to be on this podcast. (laughs) But I'm so happy that you were able to come. And I think that this conversation will definitely be one that people can come back and listen to multiple times. Because, you know, people can pregnant every day now. All right. So (laughs) as always, I want you guys to remember that Detroit girls do it better. And I will be back with you guys next week. Thank you.